to listen to the Left Traffic Podcast. What is up, Lap Traffic Nation? Welcome to episode 241 of the Lap Traffic Podcast. I am your host, the Professor Brandon Crowd, and tonight, the fourth installment of the J-Ski Bonus Shows with Dustin Albino. Sir, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well, man. I haven't heard, haven't seen you in a while. We haven't done this in, what, five weeks, and it, a lot's happened since it's, then, so I'm happy to be back I'm on. I'm happy, too. It's been a minute, you know, and it was like, you know, we had talked, and it was like, you know, what was what's the right amount like two weeks three week gap you know and then uh we had chatted and i'm like you know what maybe if we do like a recap to the dash for cash event around the xfinity series and kind of focus the show around that and throw some other things in the mix and we both were like yeah that sounds like a pretty good idea yeah and then a couple other topics came out this week that we should probably hit on <laughs> yeah, um i think so but yeah, I think we've had, you know, since our last one, there's been three of the four Dash for Cash races, obviously the first one being at Martinsville. So I'm here for whatever you need, uh, Dash for Cash Xfinity related. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll get into it. But before we do, Lap Traffic Nation, this week's show is brought to you by Angry Brew. Roast the competition. Be the first to the finish line with Five Lakes Angry Brew. Angry Brew is a massively caffeinated, amazingly tasting, high-octane, power-packed fuel to get you to the finish line. Get you to that 5 o'clock whistle every day uh, when you need a power-up. Reach for Angry Brew Coffee with a punch. Matt, Dust, are you a coffee guy or no? I absolutely am not coffee. I'm probably not the best person to talk so, about. All right, so <laughs> I'm not a big coffee guy either, but I gave it to my wife, who is a diehard coffee uh, person, and she absolutely loved this stuff. It was great. Uh, huge props to Angry Brew, uh, who sent a massive giveaway box full of at least 30 Spencer Boyd hats, T-shirts, mugs. Uh, the first of two giveaways, one on Instagram, one on Twitter. Uh, winners will be picked next Tuesday. Uh, they're going to be around for the rest of the season, giveaways for the rest of the season from those guys. Uh, and a uh, discount code is coming from them soon, too. So uh, go check out Angry Brew. Uh, and, hey, the cool part is Michigan-based company, Michigan-based podcast, all about that <laughs> for sure. Oh, well, man, listen, like you said, you know, it's been a couple weeks. Last show was April 15th, a little over a month. Uh, I see you've been to some ball games, a race. Man, let's talk about our Tigers and Yankees for a minute, man. How about that? <laughs> like I said, man, last time. <laughs> right. And, you know, we're on Zoom right now, so you can see me yep. for you listeners. But my hands, last time I was on, I, we were about even. Yep. The records yep. were about even. And I said, eventually, <laughs> Yankees were going to go up. Yep. Tigers were going to go down. Yep. Guess yep. what happened? That's yeah, yeah, right. Well, not not by any shock, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the Yankees, they just need to hit the ball, and you know, they got off to a terrible record, their worst start in 20 something years, and then they found their offense, and now they're among the best teams in the league, I would say. It had a no hitter last night, so uh, yes, very, very good stuff on the Yankees front, but yes, I went to a ball game, it was just you know, it felt good to be that was my first sporting event that I've been to outside of a race covering one since you know march and march of last year right before the pandemic sure um the weekend before everything shut down i was in philly for well, i was in buffalo for smackdown friday yes. night then saturday night i had tickets to a flyers game uh they played the sabers in philly and then that sunday i was at the elimination chamber pay-per-view in philly so then everything shut down. So I had not been to a sporting event since then. So it just felt a little normal, you know, it was reduced capacity, only 20% or 10%. 
it was 20%. Um, but overall, I'm just happy that, you know, things are starting to go back in, in the right direction. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you mentioned the, the Yankees no hitter last night and the night before that, the Tigers of all yeah. teams get a, get a no hitter <laughs> with Spencer Turnbull, uh, which was cool. I, you know, I, I try to watch at least a few innings or at least have it on, on the radio. You know, that was a, a West coast game in Seattle, which I've actually been to a tiger series out in Seattle, which that's a great stadium, great area mm. out there. Um, but yeah, so I missed that one. I was uh, fast asleep while that one was going on. But uh, it's cool. Have you ever been to a no hit ball game? So this is funny. So I have not. However, my sister and her fiance were at the Cleveland and Cincinnati no hitter about two weeks ago. Oh, awesome. Very yeah. cool. So Very cool. There's been a lot of no hitters this year. Six of them. Seven if you count uh, Madison Bumgarner's seven inning. You know, it was a do- second game of a double header. Yeah. So it was only seven innings, and he threw a no hitter. But I guess technicality that doesn't count. Right. That's, um, oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. That's that's a that's I would argue that. one. Yeah. I know. I would too. Yeah. Like you, you um, threw a game, but, man. Like that <laughs> yeah. counts. Yeah. And there's so there's been. Six or seven uh, of them this year, depending on how you call it. And we're a month and a half into the year. Yeah. So um, pitching's definitely uh, overshadowing the hitting this year. I have been to an eight and one third and an eight and two thirds no hit baseball games. Wow. One was, uh, it was on the, the one I vividly remember. Uh, it was Tigers, Minnesota, Justin Verlander on the mound. Uh, you know, this is back when the Tigers are selling out. Comerica Park on a Wednesday night because they're just dominating and Joe Maurer hits a freaking bloop single <laughs> last I'm like oh, oh it pissed me off so bad and then I was at another one um where, uh, Annabelle Sanchez uh had mm. a eight and third inning go I forget what team that was though but man till this day if I ever cross paths with joe mauer he owes me a picture or something because he stole a no hitter for me in person so yeah that sucks being so <laughs> close i mean it sucks for you because i mean it's it would be cool because there's you know i say that there's been a lot of them this year but truth i mean it's very hard to do obviously yeah, so yeah. it's not done very often no. um so to be a you know to be a one and, and almost two of them yeah that's pretty pretty crazy yeah yep uh, well, man, listen, you put out a new piece this week uh, on Ryan Ellis. And I got to tell you, I loved that read. It was so awesome. You know, I've gotten to know Ryan a couple uh, over the couple last couple years. He's been on the show. Uh, I've worked with him, you know, scheduling like Matt D to come on the show, you know, back in the day. And you never you knew he wanted you knew he was a racer. You knew mm-hmm. he had it in his blood. Uh, but your piece, man, it just gave such an in-depth perspective uh, on some things that you would have never picked picked up crossing paths with him. So, uh, you know, tell everyone a little bit about it. Yeah. Thanks for the kind words and promoting it. Um, yeah, I mean, I talked to Ryan last week and like you said, he's, he's a guy that's been around the sport really for, you know, the better part of a decade now, um, whether, you know, mostly part-time if he's driving at all, but between 2017 and 2020, he was in the marketing department for go fast racing. 
And if, I mean, if you read the piece, it kind of tells itself, but that was really hard to be that close to the action and not actually being able to drive. Um, and then also that deal wouldn't allow him to race other races, at least a full-time schedule. So uh, yeah, that it's just, I feel like that's a story. He was very transparent, very honest, very open, uh, which, you know, as a journalist, I, you know, come to me for that stuff. Like I, I love people who are open and comfortable talking about, you know, their path and their story. Absolutely. And his story isn't one that, you know, comes to the forefront of a lot of people's mind because he's never been full-time. The most races he's ever ran in a full season is 16 in one series, which is 2016 in the Xfinity series. But yeah, I mean, there's so many stories like him out there of guys just kind of, you know, persistence and, and never giving up and, and why don't you give up? And, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that piece, just, you know, from his quotes. Absolutely. So if you haven't read it yet, get over to jayski.com, click on the Xfinity series and uh, it's, it's on the Xfinity series news feed page. So uh, definitely go check that out. Uh, Lap Traffic Nation, if you haven't tuned in to Tuesday's show, Jeff Striegel made his 16 appearance on the show uh and jeff, jeff and i i mean jeff and i we just we'll, we'll talk for just an hour and, and i go to jeff i go jeff we got you know i gotta wrap this thing up and he goes oh i know you know just when we get rolling i go uh, jeff i've got brian newdorf who's good for 10 minutes still to come on and some listener calls like I can't have this thing go over 90. I've, I've been trying to cut the Tuesday shows between 75 and 90 minutes because last year there were a few that pushed the two-hour mark, and that's just too long. Too long for a podcast, uh, you know. So it's, Jeff and I could have talked for two hours. He just is so great. He's become such a good friend of the show, me personally, and he just is so generous with his time. You know, we spent the first 15 minutes uh, just talking about, you know, the the big win for him with the Advanced My Track Challenge and Berlin Raceway. Uh, and that was cool to really get an, an inside perspective of, of him promoting and, and working as the, that track promoter and, and how much respect that track has uh, throughout the racing community, which was really cool. Yeah, Jeff's so personally, I've, I think I've only interacted with Jeff a few times, but I, I know at Dover last weekend um, with, with MRN, he was he was talked about on the, I think it was the ARCA broadcast about that, that title. So uh, very cool stuff. Is he your most frequent visitor of the podcast so it's it's kind of a toss-up uh there the orange cone is pushing i think 17 times striegel's at 16 the petm podcast you know they're they're at like 18 or 19 um and then if you know we drop off of that group then i think it's like tyler riddick's been on eight or nine times custer's been on six or seven so but yeah those, those the, the that key group is is always good for a nice mix into the show every once in a while so and after you know 241 episodes they all got you know five percent now so. yeah i was gonna say that it's up 16 percent you know 16 out of 240 that's yeah. like seven yeah. percent or yeah. so yeah he's, he's he's due for a check at some point in time <laughs> so yeah so go check out to episode 240 if you haven't already uh and coming up next tuesday uh cj wolliver 
from Fox is back, and you know CJ and I will be talking a lot of trucks uh, and, of course, recapping Coda next week. So that's uh, what's happened. That's what's coming up. What about tonight? Well, Dustin and I, like I said, we're going to talk the Dash for Cash event. Uh, we'll break down some of the races, some of the winners. Uh, we'll talk Noah Gregson, uh, some social media. We're going to talk Brad Kislowski. What's going on with that? That's kind of crazy. And then we got some of your guys' questions and comments to wrap things up. So, sir, what do you say? Let's uh, let's kick this thing off. Uh, you know, let's. How do you want to do this? You want to talk? You want to go in order? Do you want to talk about uh, your experience getting back to the racetrack the second time this year? What? Uh, how do you want to do it? Sure, we can talk about Dover first. If yeah. Like. Let's uh, let's do that. So, you know, um, you know, compare a little bit, if you will, the difference of, uh, you know, going to Daytona right when things are still kind of strict versus, you know, now uh, restrictions are starting to get a little bit more lax. You know, was there a difference from a media perspective? Uh, yeah, from a media perspective, kind of. I mean, so unfortunately, I didn't go to Darlington and Darlington, uh, Charlotte coming up. There's certain tracks. I think Coda this weekend, too, where, you know. As a media, as someone in the media, you can get more access because NASCAR is starting to, you know, ease back into it. Uh, for Dover, you're restricted. Media were restricted into the press box. However, late last week it was announced, NASCAR announced that they are lifting the mask mandate outside. You know, the you know outside of unless you're in an enclosed building. Sure. So, sure. <laughs> I'll tell you what, fans took full advantage of that. I believe um, it. I believe it. Yeah. And and and. I mean, rightfully so, I guess. If, yeah. if that's you know, that's their prerogative, if they want to do it, go for it. There was definitely some that you know still weren't comfortable, and you see that every day. Like at the gym, just yesterday, as we speak, you know, Wednesday this is, um, at the gym here in, in Central New York, masks masks were you know the mandate was lifted, and in all buildings really, in closed buildings, and you know personally i'm still wearing a mask but then you see other people who aren't so it just you know however you feel um but getting off that topic as far as you know comparing there's a lot less media that go to dover as opposed to daytona 500 obviously sure. yeah 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 um, absolutely so you don't see you know maybe your frequent uh beat reporters that would go to to daytona but also like there's and i've mentioned this before the ROI is just, it's still not necessarily there, but I hope next time I go to a racetrack, which looks like it's going to be mid Ohio for the Xfinity race here in what, three weeks that, um, Hopefully you get a little more access. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, right now it's looking like uh, for me, Michigan's going to be my first race uh, this year and and then hopefully Martinsville. But Martinsville is definitely going to be from a fan perspective, you know. So, uh, you know, hopefully next year uh, we get back to, uh, you know, the handful of racetracks at least and, and get to uh, – Get back to doing some fun stuff with the show and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, man, hopefully, hey, if you come out to Michigan, man, you know, let me know. That's, uh, I, I will. I, I met you there in 2018. It's the only time yeah. I've been to Michigan. Yeah. Uh, very cool facility. Uh, place, like I said, never been to before. So, um, well, yeah. You, you, uh, and, you and I got that map. We got to start putting some stickers on that map, man. Yes, we talked about the map. <laughs> I think it was the first time I was on yep. uh, this year. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm, that's what I'm doing in Ohio. I've never been there, so I get to put a sticker on that, there that big go. old map. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right, man. So, um, we'll get to the actual race about Dover here in just a minute. So, let's uh, when we look at the dash for cash here, I kind of want to get your perspective on I want to say why 
I love the Dash for Cash event, the Triple Truck Challenge. You know, I think we've talked before, you know, I'm not a big fan of like the all-star stuff because, it, you know, it doesn't count towards a championship. It's some guy winning a check and, and doing a skills comp, whatever the case may be. And the Dash for Cash event for me is a combo of both, which I absolutely love. You know, the race win counts towards the championship. And then, oh, by the way, there's a hell of a lot of money on the line for, for teams to win over a four-week period. You know, we went short track. We went intermediate. We went super speedway. You know, we covered everything but a, a road course uh, in, in 2021 this year and we got some great quality racing so you know from your perspective you know what's the dash for cash do from a, a fan a draw uh, um you know and, and the racing experience it's a good question um so i did a lot of work with with comcast and xfinity over the last three years and i asked actually asked mike to in that same question you know as a track promoter last week he's the president of daytona or not daytona of dover international speedway which obviously was the last dash for cash race last weekend um and essentially i mean as a promoter it gives you a it, it allows you to promote kind of a race within a race, another incentive to get to the racetrack, you know, outside of Sunday, which at Dover was sold out Saturday had a really good crowd. Uh, so I think as far as from a fan perspective, you get to see people really racing the hell out of each other. Like last weekend at Dover, Josh Berry, Justin Allgaier, two teammates in the dash for cash because of the results and how they finished the week prior at Darlington, they were racing the hell out of each other for a second. $100,000 on the line. That's a big deal for any team. Junior Motorsports swept the season, which, you know, that's never been done before for, for one company. Um, but as far it's it's a race within a race, and it does so much for the local communities. Um, you know, if, if we're talking about Xfinity and Comcast, like they've opened up new lift zones this year. They're on pace to do over 1,000. That was their goal at the beginning of the year, which a lift zone essentially is a free – they're doing it in Dover in a community center. Um, they opened one up in Martinsville too, but essentially what it is is it's free Wi-Fi for, you know, at-risk youth students or veterans. So it's really cool what Comcast does giving back to the community That's on that awesome. side of it. Yeah. And then <laughs> just those races are so good too. And Xfinity, I mean, it's the package they have. There's almost never a bad Xfinity race right now, which – this is a true testament to that series. Absolutely. You know, I, w when we look at, you know, we talked about Martinsville and Martinsville was, was cool. Uh, just because of the, you know, not just because, but what added to Martinsville was the, the, the Cinderella story behind Josh Berry, which was awesome. So he wins the <laughs> first dash for cash race, then ends up winning the last dash for cash in the four race series, which is cool. Uh, Talladega, um, you know, for me, I loved Talladega because I thought it was great racing. We had some some Very comers good. and goers. And I love the fact, you know, for me personally, and I might take some heat for this, you know, I love the fact that it ended 23 laps early. We didn't get a big one. And, you know, we didn't see a bunch of cars get tore up. I get that's the appeal, and that's what is the is the product of, of Darlington and and or Talladega and Daytona <laughs> twice a year. I under, I understand people tune in only because it's those races, and then I understand people don't tune in because it's those races. But I thought it was a great race that ended. You know, we had a first-time winner out of it with Jeb Burton. Like, there was so much good to come out of a rain-shortened race, and we don't normally have that feeling. Totally agree. The racing there... And especially, you know, I hate to bring the Cup Series in this because we're talking about Xfinity right now, but the 
the current package of at super speeder racing really between cup and xfinity is so good especially at the cup level um unfortunately joey Logano's car got off the ground a couple weeks ago but when it comes to xfinity great race great race um earlier in the year daytona was a pretty good race yeah um and, and like you said and also what the dash for cash does is has a story within a, you know within a race you know different storylines really four different storylines uh so for jeb burton that was a huge win obviously and like you said comers and goers you know guys battling at the front that maybe if you look at the final rundown it might not show but there's guys battling at the front at times during the race that usually don't run there. It's the great equalizer, Daytona and Talladega. So, yes, I, Talladega was great race, and, and so was the cup race, I thought. Yeah, oh, for sure. You know, we look at the rundown from, from Talladega, you know, we had uh, Ryan Sieg, top five finish. We had Brandon Brown, uh, Myatt mm-hmm. Snyder, you know, Tommy Joe with an 11th place finish, Timmy Hill 13th, you know. So you definitely had uh, a, a good handful of guys in the top 15 that wouldn't have ordinarily maybe gotten that top 15. If we had gotten down to the last two laps and something happens, maybe they don't get it, you know? So it was just an over, like I said, a great race. A lot of guys got a lot out of that race and it wasn't just from a survival perspective. It was from a racing perspective. Agreed hundred percent. And like you said, I totally agree. You don't need to have a big rack in carnage for it to be a good super speedway race yeah at all no. like at all you don't need that no, no so no. i wish it made it to the end but to your point there probably would have been chaos yeah. and you know a big wreck 20 cars in there or whatever so to that you know to that point i, I am happy we didn't get that right um, but i <laughs> and for jeb burton it was a huge win a guy another guy um like you know talking about ryan ellis earlier who's just persistence he's shown it throughout his whole career for the last 10 years uh when he had the ride with turner scott and then you know got booted because of sponsorship same thing happened at patty's in the xfinity series and could never you know he's a guy who who cold call sponsors and you know a couple of those sponsors actually on his car so and they followed him from you know childress to junior to now colleague i mean it's it's a really cool story, and it's it was uh, neat to see him get his first win. Absolutely. Uh, okay, let's uh, talk real quick. Darlington, I mean, Darlington just – Darlington speaks for itself, I feel like. Uh, you know, and just to add a, a – you know, when you think Darlington, you think old school and, and nostalgia. Justin Allgaier, you know, veteran in the series, you know, ran an old school style race uh, and picked up the win at, at – you know, one of the crown jewels uh, tracks, uh, you know, so Darlington was good. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, uh, it's crazy to think, though, as, as much as I know Darlington is a good race, when I think about Martinsville, Talladega, and this past weekend over, Darlington's the one that's kind of like I, I don't have a good recollection on on how that race went down at the moment. So it's not what, it's not good because I, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, at um, least it's not me then. <laughs> um, but. But, you know, looking at the rundown, it, it was and it was a good finish between, you know, the green-white checkered. And, you know, a lot of people think, you know, green-white checkers make or break a race. If it's a crappy race but a good, two, you know, green-white checkered, well, it makes up for the bad race. Mm, no, it doesn't. No. But anyways, this was, too, a good race from what I recall. Uh, and big win for Allgaier, getting a second win of the year. You know, started off kind of in a in a slump the first month or so, but has really turned it around. Had another good run at Dover, one of his best tracks. He's the nine top. You know, we're going to transition into Dover now, I'm yep. sure. 
but nine top fives and 11 races there. His last 11 races. All, all, all guy and really junior motorsports as a whole has turned up the wick here in the last month or so. Sure. And Noah Graxon's starting to finally get finishes. I'm sure we'll talk about him in a little bit too because of Darlington. That was the big story afterwards. Absolutely. Um, I guess that's probably why we don't remember much about the race because that situation kind of took over a good chunk of, of uh, you know, the, the recaps and all that afterwards. So, um, yeah. And, and Josh Berry, too, another good run. Um, and, you know, he's had two second place finishes in a row now dating back dating back to Darlington. Sure. So uh, he's shown a lot of improvement, a lot of ma- maturity over the last four or five starts. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, um, though I, I want to piggyback off what you said about Justin Allgaier for a second. And it's like, I love the fact he's got two wins in through 10 races here because I feel like over the last, I don't know, maybe three, four years, you know, we're getting to July and August and we're still talking about when's Allgaier going to get that first win and, and, and crack through. And, and I feel like he got a pretty early win last year uh, once we came back racing. And, you know, it really just feels like he's starting to click on all cylinders. And that could be, you know, I know, you know, Cindric, the dominator, right, last year, you know, doing well this year. But if, if Allgaier gets clicking on all cylinders, uh, I, I, I don't think he's a sleeper that people are probably going to label him as a sleeper. Yeah, he's not a sleeper. I mean, you look at you look since he's come back to Xfinity in 2016, he didn't win that year, made to the championship four. 2017 won two races, made to the championship four. 2018 was his best year ever in Xfinity. Five wins all in the regular season. Didn't make it to the championship four, because if you remember, that was a year where there was absolute chaos in the Xfinity playoffs. Yep. Uh, both he and Christopher Bell. Oh, that's who, right. Christopher Bell won eight races that year, and he was in a must win going into Phoenix, which was the cutoff race for Homestead. 2019, like you said, didn't win until Phoenix in the penultimate race of the year. And then last year, he didn't win until the 20th race of the year. Oh, so later last year. Okay. Yep. Yeah. The first one at Dover, then he swept the two at Richmond. And so to have two wins through 10 races, I mean, that's statistically the best start he's ever gotten off to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and he tends to get better uh, as the summer months come on. So I would expect him, I'm not going to say to have a career year because it's going to be hard to match 2018. Um, but I can see him getting four or five race wins for sure. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, let's uh, talk about the race at Dover for a minute. Uh, you know, from, from the bird's eye perspective there, uh, you know, we we had our two races, basically. We had a race within the race with the uh, Dash for Cash. We had Austin Sindrick uh, really just going on a tear. Um, you know, Josh Berry made a bid at it. You know, he almost won the race and the last one there. Uh, Ty, you know, I want to talk about Ty Gibbs in a minute here once we get down to the playoffs and, and the outlook there. But, uh, you know, Brandon Brown, another top 10 finish there. Uh, we're really getting some guys with some solid finishes out there that are, you know, um, really upping their game, which is really cool to see. Yeah, this race was dominated by the, the top three, Cindric, Barry, and Allgaier. And, you know, really until the first three three quarters of the races were dominated by Cindric and Barry. And once Cindric got the lead, there was no looking back. And his car, you know, continually got better throughout the day. He was almost wrecked off turn four off by yeah. Ty Gibbs. That was <laughs> close, very close call. Cindric was none too pleased on the radio. But, uh, yeah, Cindric, three wins through through 10 races. We're going to a road course this weekend. He's the favorite, obviously, him and Almendinger. There's no 
there's no saying how much how many races he can win this year. I think it's going to be tennis, if not more. Sure. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, realistic. It is. Um, okay. Noah Gregson, first ever three-time winner, dash for cash. Then he wasn't, mm-hmm. but then he was. Um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, what was your take on what the interpretation of the post-race penalty was? And, you know, we talked about it before we started recording. You know, it's, it's kind of closed-door stuff once, once the penalty gets announced. Uh, so take it from your perspective, you know, what happened there. It is, and hopefully I'm not speaking out of context. Um, I wish we did have more access to not necessarily what the penalty was, but how I eventually got overturned. So, you know, flashback to Saturday, you know, from my perspective, uploading the points and all the all the PDFs on the J-Ski, it's three hours after the race, and there still isn't the points out. So you, you know something's up. And then I'd heard from a couple sources that it was the nine car. And it turned out that, you know, it was – Obviously, Darlington running up against the wall. He had made contact with the wall. So, essentially, that shifted the rear mounting of the car. And NASCAR, you know, it fouled post-race inspection, which, I mean, we've seen that before. But to my knowledge, four days later, we've never seen one overturned. At least I haven't. So, it's kind of confusing. I want more answers. You know, I have more questions than I have answers, truly. sure. And I'd, I'd love to get those answers for everybody but i don't know i mean it's it's you don't see that very often good for good for gregson i mean it, it made him and the team really to look out to be like you know like cheaters right <laughs> call spade a spade yeah but that wasn't the case so yeah i mean it's I, I like I the know. fact that one got overturned, right? Because, you know, for, yeah. for years, you know, it looks like, oh, it's just a formality. If you if you get a, a, a penalty that's going to take away points, wins, fines, whatever the case may be, oh, okay, you, you file your appeal, and okay, no no a shocker, uh, penalty <laughs> upheld, right? You know, and to see one overturned now, you know, whether or not it's 10 years from now, but it'll always be, hey, well, there... It, it gives credibility to filing that appeal because now, hey, you know what? We can reference if we've got a point of, hey, NASCAR did overturn one. They did admit to, to being wrong, which I think in an, in an era where, you know, NASCAR takes so much heat, whether it's when to throw a caution, when not to throw a caution, the penalties, the rule, you know, all that kind of stuff, to me that just – it's not going to correct a lot of things for a lot of people, I understand, but it at least adds a sense of, hey, yeah, let's let's do this because there's there is a shot, albeit a small one. And I think you used the right word there in credibility because that's exactly what it brings to the the appeal process because the appeal is twenty five hundred dollars straight up just to just to file the appeal. But for Gregson in junior motorsports, that's a hundred thousand dollar investment. <laughs> Be- mm-hmm. Technically ninety seven thousand five hundred. Right. Yeah. You know, because they won the dash for cash. <laughs> yep. But still, like that's that's something that if if you feel strongly about, 
appeal it. Yeah. And that's what they did, and they won. So, yes, like you said, it does bring credibility to the appeals process. Absolutely. Uh, all righty here. Let's do a little playoff picture recap. Uh, we got 16 races still to go in the regular season. Long way I get. But here's the bummer. You know, we've got a couple guys, some part-timers, that have wins outside the top 12. You know, is you know Josh Berry, I think, is, is, is the most notable in terms of we know he's only got that the the first half of the season with junior motorsports uh do you think there's any possibility of him being able to run the rest of the season and and being able to get into the playoffs with that win uh barry no because he hasn't gotten in a and what why am i blanking on the word like an override in okay. terms of a waiver okay um but same thing, you know, obviously with Ty Gibbs, but Ty Gibbs has only ran, what, five races? Yeah. And five races, he's 17, 17 points. That's incredible. Points. Yeah. Yeah. And he's only 53 points out of the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> so that's crazy. Uh, obviously, he's got four top fives in those five races. He's been on a roll. Uh, probably the best five race stretch to start an Xfinity career ever. Right. I mean, if you really Just... look down to it, that in terms of who's never had, you know, prior experience at the national level, that, Crazy, crazy, unbelievable. It's crazy what he's doing. Yes. So um, shout out to that team. But as far as the playoffs, I mean, you you look at it and (laughs) Brandon Jones somehow finds himself on the bubble and it's been either hit or absolute miss this year for that for 19 team. He's got five top fives and then five finishes of 33rd or worse. Right. So it's not a surprise when you see those numbers that he sits on the bubble but he's nine points ahead of Brandon Brown. You got Riley Herbst who's still out there. You know, he, granted he's what thirty-four points back. Herbst has been pretty big disappointment this year. I think. I, th- you know, even last year he, he, I thought he proved a lot. He's, he did a lot better last year in the eighteen car than he's done in the ninety-eight this year. And that car won nine races last year with, with Chase Briscoe. So. I thought, and Jeremy Clements continues to impress. Yeah, five top tens and ten races. I mean, starting ahead to some huh? road courses, like yeah, you know, he, he five he, of the next eleven races are on road courses. Obviously, that's his bread and butter. Got his first win four years ago at Road America. Yep. But even if he doesn't pick up a win, you're going to expect him to to get some points and at least give himself and, a cushion. And and I think and we saw it last year. We really saw it two years ago. Stage racing, it adds so much with him, and, and he'll, you know, as opposed to some drivers who are racing for the win, well, if he can't win, he's going to race for stage points. And so say he's going to finish, he's having a good day, finish ninth or tenth in the stage. Well, if they pit, he's now second or third. Right. So he's going to he's gonna add some points up here, but 44 points, 46 points to the good. That's really impressive for that team. And, and I would say he's been the biggest surprise of the year. Maybe... This is going on a limb. Maybe in all of NASCAR, you could argue, uh, but definitely in the Xfinity Series. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, all right, man, let's look ahead to this weekend. Going to Coda for the first time in the NASCAR uh, Series here. All three series running. Uh, rain is 
I'll, I wrote down possible, but it's almost an inevitability, I think, at this point, which is a bummer. But, uh, you know, if, if it's wet and not a downpour, maybe we'll see some rain tires out there, which could make things interesting. Uh, oh, we will. <laughs> we will. We will. Uh, I'm excited to see a new track, man. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to see these guys, you know. Did the sim time pay off for them and all that good stuff? Uh, I, You know, I love the fact we've got a couple cup guys, you know, maybe making some Xfinity starts. We've got Kevin Harvick running in a BJ McLeod uh, uh, car. We've got Paul Menard making a start this weekend, which is cool. Um, you know, so you guys, you'll have a lot going on in the Xfinity series this weekend. Oh yeah. The Xfinity race for Saturday is absolutely stacked. You got, like you said, Harvick, Cole Custer's racing for Rick Ware racing, Kyle Busch, Andy Lally, road course ringers racing, uh, Boris said, you know, granted it's with MBM Motorsports, but, you know, Road Ring, I talked to him yesterday uh, for a story on NASCAR.com about why he's returning. Um, I mean, this field, Austin Dillon, I mean, there's there's so many guys that we got to remember, there's only 36 guys that can make the field now because we have qualifying instead of 40. So we got 43 on the entry list. <laughs> it's a big old chunk of cars going home. Seven right? of yeah, them. that's crazy. So and that makes that exciting, gonna, too. It does. It does make it exciting. And in those days are, you know, at least at the cup level have been long gone where you don't have cars, even, you know, when we had qualifying that are really going home. So it's, it is exciting and it's something different, unique. Um, so I think the practices on Friday are going to be very important, whether it rains or not. I mean, I, there's rain tires, so they'll race as long as it's not a downpour. But even in a downpour, we ran. We it, saw last year, or we ran it year at the course too. Yeah, it was like a tsunami. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, I think I think we'll definitely get some racing this weekend, whether it's rain or shine. But I, I'm excited for this weekend. I don't think there's been, oh man, it's been a long time since there's been so much hype for a new venue. I say venue because there's a lot of hype around the Bristol dirt race, obviously this sure. year. Um, and, and rightfully so, but it's still at Bristol. This is a new venue. It's world-class, obviously formula formula one's race there quite a bit. And now NASCAR is going there in, in a big market, a uprising market, a market that's on the rise in Austin, Texas. So I am, I'm very excited about this weekend. I am with you, too. Uh, all right, man. Let's do a little social media. Everybody, make sure you check out the website, thelaptrafficpodcast.com, Facebook, The Lab Traffic Podcast, uh, TikTok, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff, all at Lab Traffic PC. Make sure you get over to jayski.com. Check out Dustin's pieces under the Xfinity tab. Go follow Dustin at Dustin Albino on Twitter. Follow jayski at jayski. That one's an easy one. Uh, don't forget about the bunch of giveaways going on about 40 away from the Clint Boyer lap traffic swag pack giveaway uh next tuesday we'll have the angry brew lap traffic stuff given away there so go tell your friends to follow all that good stuff check out the show and of course there's free stickers and koozies all you got to do is fill out the contact page and i'll send those out to you guys uh and get over to angrybrew.com and, and go get yourself some coffee and get that extra punch how was that sir that was pretty good. Thank you. You're, you're, you're a professional yeah. at this now. Oh, I don't know about that, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, 
There is one piece of silly season news that we just have to talk about. I mentioned it briefly on the show on Tuesday, and that's the news that broke about Brad Keselowski, Roush Fenway Racing. Um, Dustin, I mean, you know, I I only hit on what, what I knew, what was out there, and that's, you know, there's the potential of Keselowski leaving Penske and getting partial ownership and driving at Roush next year. Um, I, I mean, I haven't seen much else break outside of that. Uh, so if you've got anything you can share on that or just give your opinion on how you think that could play out. Yeah, it was a very surprising story Tuesday. When did I call it? Tuesday morning. Yeah. Um, but as much as I say it's a surprise, it's – it's kind of not because Brad's been so vocal in the past about eventually wanting to get back into the ownership side, but not at trucks, which he's done in the past, obviously, and very successful too. a successful truck program, won multiple races with a bunch of drivers who are now at the cup level, but he wanted to eventually turn his focus to cup ownership. And so Obviously, you know, he signed, he re-signed last, last August. Yeah, I think it was August, late July, early August. One-year contract with, with Penske. And, I mean, you look at Brad, he's among the best drivers in the sport right now. 35 race wins. I mean, 2012 champion. The, the stats speak for themselves. So he he wants and, and rightfully deserves a big contract. Now, in in the days of those days of having big contracts aren't necessarily there anymore. You know, team owners we've seen in the past, like Hendrick Motorsports, they in 2018 to replace Dale Jr. I mean, you thought like Matt Kenseth could be a guy, or you know, any guy out there they they'd go shopping for, and they went with Alex Bowman, who who was in house, but a lot cheaper than someone like a Matt Kenseth. So. Yeah. As far as that, I think Keselowski wanted a big deal in, you know, last year, two years ago when it, when his contract was coming up, didn't happen. So there's always kind of been like, I don't want to say a standoff between him and Pensy because he's still obviously very competitive and he's not going to give up on the team. No. It's, that's not his nature. But there's been, I can't come up with the right word, but it's just, Stand, I guess standoffs, you know. Yeah, you, probably you, the correct term. When you mentioned because, Bowman there, you know, for you know, like, all right, that that's oh, to to me, I'm I'm gonna uh, use the analogy of like, all right, well, we could go out and we could sign. Aaron Rodgers, or we could get a rookie deal and save us a bunch of money and hope that he's Aaron Rodgers like, you know, and and HMS. Found that with Bowman, right? I mean, here we are, two wins, you know, and 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 well on his way versus paying Matt Kenseth, who maybe he could have gotten a couple wins, but you knew you were paying for the name and the seat versus the the longevity of someone building and and continuing that that legacy going forward. Yeah, and it's an investment that you hope pays off, and yeah. and for the Bowman side, it, it has paid off. Obviously, with two wins this year, four on his career now over the last two years so you know going back to the Kozlowski situation though it is a surprise because when you think of Brad you think of Penske it's the only team he's ever been with at the cup level since he was full-time uh you know starting in 2010 and third year into the sport full-time he wins wins the championship at the cup level and since then he's always been a front runner um so it's 
a part of me is, is still, you know, surprised, but then the other part of me is like, no, this is exactly what he wants. And so it's a good opportunity for Roush. It can bring some relevance back into their, their organization where, you know, if we're being honest, they haven't they really had it. a, yeah, yeah, they, they need it. They haven't had a, a front runner since 2014. They haven't won a race since 2017. And it's I mean, crazy it's been, to think when you look at the powerhouse that Roush, you know, Carl Edwards, Greg Biffle, Matt Kenseth, you know, Kurt Bush, Kurt Bush like Mark I mean, Mark, yeah, I mean, like, and then just to go from the 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 top and to just hit the bottom of that roller coaster and just almost flatline, there. yeah. 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 And so I think they need something like this because then that also gives the team longevity because, you know, Jack Roush, and this is the case of a lot of owners, but they're up there in age. So Kozlowski's late 30s. I mean, that's him taking over the team. That just makes sense sure. from a from a stand from that standpoint. So you almost look at it as like, you know, uh, you know, we know, you know, Jeff Gordon eventually going to take over at HMS and, you know, Jeff got the big contracts and is going to probably get a nice yeah. payoff from the, <laughs> from the ownership side of things. But, you know, this could be with the, with the change in sponsorship in the sport itself, you know, you don't have that DuPont Chevrolet 36 races every single year, you know, it's broken up just because of how much it does cost the, you know, the, the return of investment and all that you know so it's a lot harder to get them in and to stay you know so for that big driver you know that could be the payday that we now that they now look for is okay i'm gonna race uh you know three four years and then i want a cut of the ownership side of things because that payday maybe isn't going to be there and this reminds me so 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 much of tony stewart and yeah. 20 yeah. you know 2008 and then middle of the year he announces that he's going to go he's you know he's going to buy in be part owner of gene haas's team which at the time was nothing they you know they were on track performance was terrible there was none right but as soon as he gets there you know they start getting some money behind him and that's what what you'd hope would happen with with roush is that kozlowski can you know bring in some funding which you know to, to roush's credit they did sign fast and all and they announced that uh on on wednesday for another three years and that's been their anchor sponsor for that 17 car um but you get a big name like brad kozlowski who's the first big name you've really had since since carl edwards but you can even really throw back to you know matt kenseth uh, and he left there in what 20 at the end of 2012. Yeah. And I say that because Carl, you know, obviously never won a championship, but was always a contender. So it's a, it's a win win. I think for both sides, something, you know, I didn't expect it to come this early in the season. No, you, you know, know for right? something like this to be talked about. And you got to think like, I, you know, was that supposed to come out because you know, they're not going to want to talk about it, but you know, you brand any, anybody that's all anybody's going to ask Brad now, unless he won the races, uh, what, what can you tell? And he's just going to say, I'm focusing on the two car at Penske this week. You know, like we're not, I I'll be shocked if we get anything new about that until much further into the end of the year, I would think. And to that point, Yesterday, it just so happened that on Monday, this fastenal announcement was was you know the Zoom call for it was made for Wednesday. They're going to announce it, and on Tuesday, this comes out about Brad. And so Steve Newmark's on the call, and so of course he's going to get asked about it. And Bob Pockers of Fox Sports asked him, and essentially declined to answer. Which I mean, that's got to tell you that you know he 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 made it aware that there's definitely rumors swirling, right? But 
he declined to comment. So, I mean, that's, you can take that with a grain of salt or however you will. Yeah. Um, you can leave it up for interpretation, but there's a good, I would say if I had to bet, there's a very good chance we see Kozlowski at Roush next year. I would agree. And now, so to me, you know, going into this year, it was like, okay, well, we got Matt Benedetto at Wood Brothers. And the, the thought is, is at the end of this year, he'll be out at the 21 so that Cindric can move up into the 21. Uh, you know, now, does this leave the possibility for Cindric to take over the two spot? Does that give the possibility of De Benedetto to get a uh, a junior year at Wood Brothers Racing, or you just they give that opportunity to somebody else? Uh, you know that opens up some other opportunities already to to speculate on for 2022. It does, and I, I think you hit it head on. I think that would be the most logical you know, scenario with Sender going in-house to Penske and to Benedetto who fits the Wood Brothers. The Wood Brothers like him. He likes the Wood Brothers. It just makes perfect sense to build on what you've had for two years and, you know, potentially making the playoffs two years in a row. So that makes the most sense to me. Um, but there's a reason I'm not an owner or anything. So. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, all right, man. Well, let's close this thing out with uh, a couple uh, listener follower uh, questions and uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Let's see here. First one, Pixie Doodle. Uh, how about drivers damaging cars during victory celebrations, making it impossible for a full post-race inspection to be done? Uh, we talked about this a little bit with, with the Noah Gregsa thing, but, you know, you always got to wonder sometimes, did they back that thing up to the inside wall on that burnout on purpose? It's bizarre because I want to say it was Cole Pern. It might not have been, though, so I don't want to get the name wrong. But I remember it was a couple of years ago you heard over the radio. It might have been Ronnie Childers, too. But you heard the, the the crew chief come over the radio and say, you know, like, burn it down. You know, don't be afraid to do this or that to the car, blah, blah, blah. Right. And whenever Martin Shurek Jr. can do I'm assuming that's where this, you know, question is based off of because whenever he does a burnout, the rear quarter panels are shredded. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the tires are gone. Right. So – it is interesting, um, and especially with the domination that he put on, you know, the ass whooping, as he called it, yeah. that he put on at Darlington. But I, I don't want to make too much out of it. Fair enough. You know? Fair enough. Uh, Jared at Jared Reactor 19 how do you group the 18 ovals we'll see this year when it comes to the sorting of tracks in order to find similarities, correlations, and how certain drivers perform at certain types of tracks? Flat, low-banked, semi-banked, high-banked, all that good stuff. Good question, Jared. Um, honestly, though, I, I think it boils down to the overall package, the rules package. I don't think you know necessarily the tracks matter anymore in terms of – in terms of who does well at certain tracks, unless you're like a road course or a super speedway. And, and, and certainly, you know, you expect certain drivers to do well, like Martin Truex Jr. You expected him to do well at Dover this past weekend. Unfortunately for him, he didn't. Right. Um, <laughs> you expected him to kind of go out and dominate. But, you know, this year, you know, the, the term parody has been thrown out there. And I don't know if I agree with parody because you still, I mean, there's been 10 different winners, yes, in 12 races or 11. Yeah, 10 different winners in 12 races. Um, 13 races, my bad. Um, but it's still the you know the same teams are winning. You know, Hendrick, Gibbs, you know, all the big yeah. teams, Penske. Yeah. The only team that's out of the, the ordinary is the 34 of, at Daytona, which was obviously Michael McDowell. Yeah. So I don't know. It looks to me like 
the best, if I had to pick like a championship four right now, which is, it's too early in my opinion, but Truex, I would say Kyle Larson has so much speed. It's, it's remarkable. He only has one win. Yeah. Um, Denny, because of consistency, if I had to throw a fourth in there right now, I'd go William Byron. Yeah. Because I mean, he's, it's... he's just on a roll. He's the first Hendrick driver to have 11 top tens in almost 20 years. Yeah. So pretty well, impressive streak well, he's on. So we could go on two, uh, two quick tangents that could really throw this thing into the time warp here so I, we won't do that but uh <laughs> the one thing i would say in terms of parody i use that f- exact word with striegel on tuesday and he said in his perspective it's not parody it's talent and he used the <laughs> example of you know look at shr you know over the last few years you know it's it's not like they're throwing the best equipment and putting the used stuff on Colt Custer's car and Chase Briscoe's car and Eric Almirola's car. No, it's the level of talent of that driver being able to go out there and get what he's able to out of the car. So, I, I, and then it, there's racing luck involved too. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know how you know a lot of drivers don't believe in in luck or as Justin Allgaier would tell you it's when execution meets you know. Uh, when preparation meets execution um but it like Almirola for instance some of the stuff that's happened to him this year you just you right yes you know you couldn't imagine that right that's like a brake baluster falling out of your car you know, right <laughs> exactly. as you're rolling down pit road. Uh, um, all right. Tough year for that team. Uh, Jeff at JBev1789, given the updated rule today, thanks to Noah Gregson and Junior Motorsports, some of the best cars and rules made by teams and crew chiefs. First up, T-Rex and at Ray Evernham. Uh, you know, we talked a, a little bit about the, the Gregson situation and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, it, You've got the Tom Brady rule in football, right? You know, the yeah. tuck rule, you know, there, there are so many nicknames that we give to things. And, and it, it's kind of like the tip of the hat, in my opinion. It is. And it, it was ironic when it comes to the Graxon one that there was a rule made the following week about the rear of the car. Right. Um, and like I said earlier, I just wish we had more insight on, you know, like to what went into the appeal. But like you said, it's, it's behind closed doors. So we'll never know. Um, but it would be nice if it, it was open be. to the public. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Uh, but yes, that's a good point. A lot of a lot of the rules, not a lot. Some of the rules come because of the you know some of the dominant cars yep. or cars yep. that are you know like he said some of the best cars or rules are made by teams and crew chiefs. Uh, Matt at Camper News Net. I'd love to hear about your experience at Dover this weekend. Uh, Matt was actually at Dover and, and was excited to hear the oh. sounds on, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I know you talked a little bit about it, but, uh, you know, maybe just comment to, you know, how cool it was to see a grandstand full of people out there, man. It was, and it almost, I was talking to Davey Siegel um, Sunday before the race, and it was very similar in terms of, you know, and maybe that's because we haven't seen a lot of people lately at racetracks, but it seemed like it was a very similar turnout to what a typical Dover race would be. And I say that, and there's there was only, I say only, but there's 20,000 people in attendance. It was essentially 33.3% full. Um, and it was great to see, you know, those people and fans back at the track. And, you know, there's nothing like the smell of burnt rubber and gasoline. Absolutely, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that's why a lot of people love this stuff. Just, you know, to be at the track and to experience it all. And there's nothing like the sights, sounds, and smells. S- sensory overload, essentially, with Absolutely. NASCAR isn't. 
Absolutely. I, I always tell people like, you know, you can judge NASCAR or racing however you want, but once you get to the track, you're going to be hooked. Yeah. That, it's typically, no doubt. Typically I'm right. Yeah. I say, <laughs> I've never met anybody that said I'm never coming back to one. So me neither. Me neither. Yep. Uh, and to close it out, Brian at storm and B 81. Uh, are you going to pick a regular or a ringer this weekend? Uh, who joins uh, Cindric as uh, in the big three this year? Are there less or more than three in play this year? So I'm assuming this is for Xfinity, even though Cindric's running both races. Uh, I'll pick Cindric to win the race. <laughs> right. So I think that he'll get his fourth win of the year in 11 Xfinity races. Big three. I mean, we kind of hit on it earlier, but Allgaier, he's shown speed um, and that he can get into victory lane. Noah Gregson's shown speed, but it's almost like he that nine team gets worse at, you know, as the race goes on. He leads a lot of laps earlier, runs up front early. And then for whatever reason, the finishes aren't exactly there. If I had to throw another name in there, though, along with Allgaier and Cindric, I would say A.J. Allmendinger. Yeah. He's quietly fourth in points. He's had a really solid season outside of, you know, the mistake. Kind of the bonehead move. And I, I think he would tell you that, too, at the Daytona Road Course on the last lap of the first stage where he and Cindric wrecked. Yep. Um, but super consistent. I think, you know, his veteran – savviness is going to pay off and i well as we hit five road courses over the next few races here uh, should get a couple more wins right (laughs) (laughs) so yes i think he's going to build up some playoff points here very quickly absolutely all right man well uh and any 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 final thoughts before we uh close this thing out here man no just go check out a lot of my content i'm glad you brought up the ryan ellis piece earlier Uh, i had a lot of fun with that one also like i mentioned in passing talk to boris said who's racing the number 13 for mbm motorsports he's one of the drivers in the xfinity series race he's one of the drivers that's gonna have to qualify into the race um and he's raced at coda won at coda quite a few times uh, it'll be fun to see if he can get that car into the show, you know, underfunded car and kind of how much road course ringers matter still, because, you know, you can put whoever you want in a car. They still got to go drive it. That's and right. whether that's in a, you know, in a, in a big team or a small team. And you got to think that his road ringer background or road course background should should pay off and get them in the show. So that was a fun article, too, on NASCAR.com. That's really cool. Uh, all right, Lap Traffic Nation, that is going to do it for episode 241 of the Lap Traffic Podcast. Go check out the website, thelaptrafficpodcast.com. Go follow on Twitter and Instagram at Lap Traffic PC. Go follow Dustin at Dustin Albino and Jayski at Jayski. Uh, huge thanks to Dustin for coming on. This was fun. Don't forget next Tuesday, CJ Wolliver. Don't get caught chasing a lucky dog. Tune in each and every week to the Lab Traffic Podcast. See ya!